My name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Good morning, and welcome to Grand Valley Church Online. My name is Brian, I'm the lead pastor, and I'm excited that you're with us as we are continuing our series called How to Be a Jesus Follower in 2020. If you were with us last Sunday, we had Andy Stanley here by video kicking off this series. And today, Victoria Miles is going to be doing the next week of this series. Now, you might recognize Victoria. She used to be our associate pastor here at the church, part of our pastoral team. And for the last year, she's been working on a master's degree, and she is becoming a military chaplain. And so shes we're happy to have her back for part of the summer to join in with the preaching with this series. And so you're going to see her a couple times over this summer. One of the things that I want to invite you to consider is how you can partner with us in our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you've been watching our videos online or maybe you've been part of our church for a while, you'll know that we are really passionate about helping people encounter Jesus, helping people put their trust in Jesus, and what it means to be growing in our relationship with God. And so one of the ways that you can be part of that happening is by supporting our church financially. We like to make giving as easy and convenient as possible. And so if that's something you're considering and something you'd like to partner with us, I want to encourage you to head to our website. Go to mygrandvalley.ca slash give or just head to mygrandvalley.ca and click the give button in the top right hand corner. And there's all the ways that you can choose to give to partner with us because every bit that you give and every bit that we give together is what enables us to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So if you're considering that, I want to encourage you to think about how you can partner with us. Good morning, everyone. My name is Vicki, if you have not met me before. This morning, we are going to be continuing our How to Be a Jesus Follower in 2020 series. Over a year ago, going to the gym became a regular part of my life. I was trying to get in shape for my new job and spending dedicated time going to a specific place, moving my body, challenging myself, became something that I really enjoyed and helped me cope with the stresses that came from being a working mom and a military spouse. I didn't necessarily like going to the gym, but I definitely loved having been there. And then COVID-19 happened. Overnight, the entire way I ran my life changed. I was no longer going away regularly for school. My kids were home from daycare 24-7. My husband was home from work 24-7, and I still had a full-time course load. And the gym was closed. All of the routines I had developed to help me through the stress of the year up until that point were suddenly off-limits. Yes, there are other ways to work out. Running is a thing. Running outside is a thing, even in March. Working out at home is a thing. But the fact that my routines changed really threw me. I wish I could say that I figured it all, it all out and I ad- adapted quickly and readjusted, but if I'm being honest with you, that's not the case. Major adjustments had to happen, and there were some physical and mental health bumps along the way. I'm not where I was before the pandemic hit, and I'm having to be gracious with myself about where I'm at and how to get back on the trajectory I was on before. With the arrival of COVID-19, our systems changed. As you are aware, gyms were not the only thing that closed. Nearly everything changed, and even church services were suspended. 
Just as I was thrown by not being able to go to the gym, some of us have been completely thrown by not being able to get together for church. We've been spiritually affected by this pandemic. Many of the routines that we had used to connect to God were blown up. And even though we've tried to get our bearings and make things work, we've struggled. This isn't the case for everyone. Just like the gym situation, some people weren't as thrown. Some people's routines weren't affected, or they had the capacity to adjust quickly. Some people may have flourished during the initial change and struggle more as things return to normal. I think that this will be the case spiritually as well. As things slowly get back to normal, things either won't be completely normal, like going back to the gym for me now is not, or we will simply struggle with the changes again because change can be difficult. So in this space of not normal, as we navigate this crazy year that is 2020, as we adjust to what has happened, what is happening, and what may still happen, how are we to be Jesus followers? How can we go throughout this season? What can we do throughout this season so our spiritual lives aren't just surviving but thriving? How can we do well through all that 2020 throws at us? As we consider this question, it can be encouraging to us to recognize that this isn't the only time that the way that people approach God seem to change. There are some principles from the first Jesus followers that can provide us with a guiding light in this time. As you may know, Jesus was Jewish and the majority of his first followers were coming from Judaism. Jesus' early followers were viewed as a sect or a sort of splinter group of Judaism. In Jesus' time, formal worship in the Jewish religion occurred in the temple in Jerusalem. While Jewish observers would meet in synagogues to learn and pray, there was still much of their practice, the times that they met, the way their synagogues were set up, etc., that reflected the centrality of the temple and the sacrifices that were being made there. At the temple, there were priests, men who were called by God to represent the people in their dealings with him. The priests were the ones that made the sacrifices and were the only ones that could enter the place called the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple. They had to prepare for a year before they were able to enter the presence of God there. But when Jesus died, something happened. The curtain in the temple tore open from the top to the bottom, removing the separation to the presence of God. Jesus' death was the ultimate sacrifice, like the ones that were regularly happening in the temple, but ultimate. And he was a priest, but the high priest. He was the one called by God to represent God's people in their dealings with him. Jesus' death opened up a way for people to connect to God that didn't require the temple system anymore. With Jesus' death and resurrection, the system changed. This change threw some of the early Jewish believers for a loop. The temple system was a big part of their approach to God. Suddenly, they were being told that things were different. They didn't understand. By removing the temple, the priests, and the rituals from their practice that they believed were the way to God, they were thrown. 
This led some early believers to begin to diminish the work that Jesus did because they couldn't understand his work within their system and felt that their system was too essential to give up. So a writer that knew the Jewish faith well and the Christian faith well, he wrote to the Jewish believers who were struggling. In that letter, the author explained the heart of the Jewish practices and the heart of Christianity and how even though everything surrounding their faith had changed, the center of that faith, God, had not. As the writer neared the end of their explanation in the letter, they said this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. The author of Hebrews is reminding them about the temple curtain being torn open and that there's now a new path into connection with God. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Now a note here, God's house, that's us, Jesus' followers. We are God's house. This is something that the author explains in an earlier section of their letter, that God now resides in his people. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere, sincere hearts fully trusting him. It may not seem like it to us, but this would have been a scary concept to the readers. Within the temple system, they would tie a rope around the waist of the priest who would be entering the place where God's presence was, just in case he ended up being struck dead while he was there. That's a scary situation. As the writer talks about entering the presence of God, that is what the believers would have been thinking of. And yet, here the believers are being told to go right into God's presence confidently, trusting him. Have you ever heard or been one to say that you would never be able to darken the door of a church, otherwise lightning would strike? Convinced that you could never do so, that it would just be unacceptable for you to enter, quote, a holy place? The absolute beauty of what Christ did, who Christ is, is that it means that it's never just us, what we've done, and God. There is someone else there, someone representing us in our dealings with God. Someone who paid the price for any and all horrible or stupid things that we've done. We don't need to fear the price of the things that we've done. What a beautiful truth. If you're struggling with trust right now, especially trusting God, here is a place that you can start. Trust that you can approach God. Start there. Take a step towards God. Trust him enough to try it. You will not be alone. It's not you alone with your shame and God. We have someone else who has paid the price for our shame and is there with us, representing us. Moving on, the author says, For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The phrase sprinkled with Christ's blood refers to Christ dying on the cross. And the language here, the sprinkling of the blood and the washing with pure water, they represent the practices that were involved in making a covenant or 
is basically a contract between God and the people that he's calling to be his people. This lets us know that we can hold on to our faith because God can be trusted to keep his part of the promise. When he says that we are his, we are his. We can hold tightly to him because by the nature of the new covenant, this promise that he has made through Christ, he will not let us go. Because of this truth, because of the knowledge that we are God's, the writer continues and says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So he says, because we are God's, and we know that we belong to him, we should think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and we should not neglect meeting together and encourage one another. Does that meeting together line stand out to anyone else in this new COVID-19 reality? Meeting together and being in groups has been a big part of the Christian experience and living as a Jesus follower since the church began. Much of the work that Jesus did himself was in groups. At the beginning of his ministry, he called 12 men of all sorts of walks of life to follow him. Together, they learned about the kingdom of God from Jesus himself as they walked through life together. God uses other people in our lives to teach us, encourage us, and carry us when we need it. As we heard in the message from Andy Stanley last week, being a Christian doesn't really cost much, but being a Jesus follower does. Jesus' followers have been challenging each other and sustaining each other in relationships from the beginning so that we are encouraged to walk the walk despite the cost. When the church began, not as many people were literate, and the only way to do that motivating and encouraging was to physically meet. Luke, who was a doctor who wrote an account of the birth of the church, said the following about the very first church that began when 3,000 believers 3,000 people became believers after God spoke through Peter, a fisherman who followed Jesus. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, some of us react to this thinking, yikes, sharing everything they have? That is way more invasive of a community than I want to be a part of. To others of us, perhaps those that have been especially lonely in the last few months, this sounds pretty heavenly. I'll be honest. It's pretty easy to get caught up in the practices here and think, oh, this... This is what church is. We need to get back to this. We can't be church until this is the way things are. We need to be meeting together. It's essential to who we are. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes change happens. And in the change that threatens something that we view as essential, sometimes we need someone to remind us what the core of something is so that we know what we need to cling to. And that's what the author of Hebrews did when he wrote this letter. I think that we need to do it now about our faith. 
what is the center of our faith? What is the purpose of Christian meetings and what makes them essential? Let's look at a normal church gathering. First, we usually start with music. Worshiping through music helps us draw near to God. If you are a Jesus follower, you may have had one of those moments where you're going through a really hard time and you can't see past anything beyond the pain and the struggle that you are in right now, but you still manage to make it to a church service. You sneak in the back late because you don't really want to talk to anyone. And then right there in the middle of the music, something hits you and you're just overwhelmed with the goodness of God, what he's done for you, and the value that he's placed on you. What happens there? Nothing about your situation has changed, but your perspective has. The truth that we share when we sing, it's so powerful because it recenters us. Sometimes life can feel like a tornado that is swirling around us. And having a routine where we regularly meet together and proclaim truth, it grounds us no matter what's happening. Having a routine that causes us to look to God and dwell on him for a while is incredibly impactful for our day to day. Because then no matter what those days hold, we have this tether to something beyond ourselves, reminding us that God is there reminding us who he is. Many of us, now that the routine of meeting together has been interrupted, miss this regular perspective shift in our week. We may not even be aware of how much we miss it, but if we look at our lives and our behavior recently, we may discover that our ability to see past our circumstances, to see God in our day-to-day, -day, has been slowly eroded as we haven't had that regular experience that draws us out of ourselves and closer to God. If you're looking for something to help you with this aspect of your faith journey in this very unusual time, I would suggest listening to worship music, reading through the book of the Psalms, which is a bunch of poems that really help with this perspective switch, or perhaps investing in a book of prayer to read through so that you can join with the prayers of others. If you would like some suggestions for good resources, check out our social media this week and we'll share some options for you. Let's go back to talking about what we do when we gather as a church. The next thing that we usually have after the music is a time of teaching. Solid teaching helps us to truly understand what it means to be a Jesus follower and offers us a regular reminder of what our hope is. If we want to be more than just Christian, and we want to be Jesus followers, we need to regularly be exposing ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. Listening to teaching on who Jesus is and what he calls us to continually refocuses us. We all consume a lot of daily messages, and it can be a bit like we are ships at sea. If you aren't paying attention when you're at sea, the wind, the waves, the currents, they can all affect your trajectory. They affect where you're going. You'll think that you're heading in the same direction because you haven't consciously adjusted your course. But everything that comes at you can move you around a little bit. 
You need something to focus on, to adjust your course to, and to make sure you end up where you intended to go. The teaching that we receive as we gather together helps provide that course correction for us. It gives us the tools to evaluate where we've been drifting and whether we are still on our initial course. But still, we aren't always motivated to just listen to messages when we aren't gathering. If we aren't going to be able to see other people, we aren't going to get to experience the music, we don't have someone watching our kids or the pressure of others around us to make sure that we're not getting distracted by all the other things we can get distracted by, it's just not the same watching a message from our living room. Being at home for our church online is more comfortable. There's better snacks. Sometimes there's even laundry folding at the same time. Yay for multitasking. But for many of us, this pandemic has disrupted the regular way that we've received our teaching about Christ. And we're struggling to adjust. But we do need to adjust. It's important to, do, to adjust and find good teaching because that good teaching frames how we see the world. Our view of ourselves, our view of God, our view of others, these are all affected by the teaching we put ourselves under. We sometimes have this idea that Jesus was just a good teacher, that the things he taught were good things, and any of us who are being good people are just naturally achieving what we're supposed to be achieving. But if we actually read the teachings of Jesus, he taught some pretty radical things about the kingdom of God and how his followers are supposed to act. He taught radical forgiveness. He taught radical generosity. He taught radical love. Jesus taught things that actively go against our innate selfishness, self-preservation, and pride. He taught things that if we followed them would be so different and radical in our world that we would be as noticeable as light in a dark room or salt in a bland meal. We cannot get that way, light and salt, if we only surround ourselves with teaching that makes us feel good all the time and confirms the biases and thoughts that we've always had. If we want to be true Jesus followers, we need to make sure we are putting ourselves under teaching that is true and will challenge us and point out times that our selfishness, our comforts, or our preferences are getting put ahead of what God has called us to. When we select a church, we are putting ourselves under the teaching of that community, and the routine of attending services means that sometimes we get stuck in a service with a message that makes our egos a little uncomfortable. But because we have a relationship of trust with the teacher and the community, we are able to hear it out. And that's good for us. Right now, though, without that routine, we're creating our own teaching atmospheres. Some of us are thriving. We've long had a collection of teachers that we followed that challenge us and call us to be better Jesus followers. Others of us are a little more lost. Church gathering was where we got all of our teaching, and we're struggling to make it through video services. It's the same pastor, but for some reason, it's just so much harder to sit through the message. Maybe the kids are fighting, other notifications tend to pop up on our screen, or really, the teaching was always our least favorite part of church, and we don't really want to be doing it anymore. Church online becomes painful. If that's you and you're watching this, thank you. 
If you would like some suggestions, though, for other ways that we can make sure that Jesus' teachings are more a part of our life, um, follow us on social media, and we'll be sharing some resources there as well. Let's move on to another important aspect of our gathering together. Community. This is an aspect that requires more intentionality. But it's an integral part of the meetings of Jesus' followers. It's more difficult to arrange on a service level, but it's really important. The author of Hebrews urged the Jewish believers to continue to spur one another to love and good deeds and to encourage one another. When we share our lives as Jesus' followers, we are inspired as we see the change in others and are inspired to change ourselves. We help each other succeed at being Jesus' followers by living in community. This is likely the part of meeting together that we miss the most. We miss each other. But do we need to be missing each other right now? We live in an era where we no longer have to be in the same room together to, make, to communicate with each other, to spur each other on to good deeds or encourage each other. We don't have to be seeing each other. For many of us, we long for community, but we secretly hope that someone will just adopt us into one and we don't have to do the hard part of making time and taking the steps to build and invest in each other. For some of us, we are great at making new friends, but we aren't sure how to take those relationships deeper and get to the point where we're actually helping each other grow. When it comes to developing deep faith-based relationships, many of us don't know where to start. It's an especially complicated time to figure out how to begin new relationships. If you would like some tips, once again, I encourage you to check out our social media in the coming weeks. It's our hope to be able to provide opportunities where people can build relationships and grow as Jesus followers in the fall, so stay tuned. But we don't need to wait until then. As a small step, I encourage you to pick up Pick one or two people to start checking in with frequently. Perhaps ask someone if they would be open to talking about their faith journey with you. We can get through this time, and we can get through it with our faith still growing, together. Church services are not what help us grow. I mentioned at the beginning that this is not the first time that the church has dealt with change, and it won't be the last. And so... As we struggle that our usual routines have been taking, oh, taken away from us, even if it's only temporarily, let us remember the true heart of our faith. It's the same today as it was in the first century. The heart of following Jesus is entering into the presence of God, holding firmly to our hope and faith, thinking of ways to motivate each other, and encouraging one another. Though our ability to be physically close to each other is hindered right now, we live in an era where meeting is not required for any of these things. If you've been struggling through this time, I encourage you to pick just one that you are going to pursue a little bit more this week. If you have been doing well through this time, I challenge you to assess where there is an area that you need to pursue in more depth and detail. As we go forward in this unique time, I urge you to remember Meeting is not the center of our faith. Following Jesus is. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a good week. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.